All right. Roller on the barrel show. Talking to vintage baseball players from coast to coast and border to border. We're doing it again, and we've circled around the great country of the United States of America, and we've landed right back here in the Midwest, and then we'll go right back out to everywhere right after this week, but uh, coming back home, so to speak, for this week, uh, we are without the co-host. The co-host is absent. The co-host has the COVID. Uh, so Rudy Frias not joining us this week. Very under the weather. He just came in to start recording of the Zoom. And if you could have heard him talk, it would break your heart. He's not all there uh, besides the usual, but his voice is... You don't want to hear... You don't want to hear what he sounded like because you have that vision of the sultry, sexy Rudy Frias in your head. Let's keep that illusion alive. A uh, couple of things before I bring the guest in here for the warm-up. Uh, and later on in the match, uh, we have Don Jarvis, uh, one of the captains of the Akron Blackstockings. Uh, don't forget that on December 23rd, uh, that day... Early evening, we're going to rever- uh, we're going to release our interview with Santa Claus. We actually interviewed Santa Claus. It is a very PG, family friendly event, so you can sit around the radio as everyone does nowadays and listen to that interview with your kids and not have to worry about anything. Uh, it's going to be magical. I promise you that. It's probably the best thing we've ever done, perhaps. And we're rolling down here at the end of the season. I think after this episode, we only get three more left until we take our season end break. So uh, we're going to roll out as much content as we can before that. So joining us now in the warm-up, fresh off some of our conversations, and I was contacted by this gentleman that, well, he listens to the show, so obviously that that gives some bonus points right there. And uh, but but we wanted to talk some vintage baseball pet peeves, and that seems to be always one of the hot button topics of our community. I'm going to sneeze. I'm not doing so well myself, but here we go. Uh, from the Rockford Rogues in Michigan, it is Jeff Vant off. Did I put that? Jeff, how you doing? <laughs> Good. How you doing? All right. Did I put the right emphasis on the right? Vant off. Is that right? Yes. Vant off. Vant off. I'm just not doing the T very well, but it's there. I mean it. Well, well that's okay. You're on a little bit. I get it. Jeff Vant <laughs> uh, Of the Rogues of Rockford, Michigan, formerly the Fallsburg Flats. And that's, I think that's where most people would know this club listening to this podcast uh jeff how long have the rogues uh been switched over from the flats uh since 2020 so it's only been a couple years uh the the flats kind of made a name for themselves because they'd been invited to the world tournament so that's probably where most people know the name hearing the fallsburg flats i don't know how Mm -hmm. many how many times justin's had to uh 
correct me over the years from calling it the Fallisburg Flats. I don't know why I did it. It just seemed like that's the way it was spelled, and I would always say it like that. And he just would just look at me like, no. I'm sorry. Well, I never called the Cubs. Yeah. Uh, so, Jeff, uh, good to see you. Good to talk to you. I don't think we've ever had a conversation. Is that true? Um, no, we haven't at all. Well, good. It's, I'm glad to talk to somebody I I don't know. I'm always expanding that the vintage baseball family ring, I guess, as I call it. So, uh, Jeff, awesome. we're here to talk about vintage baseball pet peeves, and you contacted me, and basically, you're on a club. Now, you, this is where you're going to correct me. I'm going to get some things wrong. This is going to be a okay. nice conversation. In Michigan... When we talk vintage pet peeves, the Fallsburg Flats were always a team that came up. Okay. Uh, uh, for various reasons. And you sent me a message saying that it's gotten a lot better. To me, that mm-hmm. statement says you knew some things were wrong and you just were trying to fix within. So... What do you hear from the vintage community over the years of the flats and now the rogues? I'm going to always refer to the flats because I haven't heard a single peep since you guys have become the rogues. So I can only refer to the flats. But uh, what have you heard over the years from the vintage community about the inaccuracies? I haven't heard a whole lot myself from like the community, but I mean, we're, being that we're on the west side of the state, we've always we've always called um always played by I guess you could say an older set of rules. Um, there used to be a club that was pretty prominent over here that was the uh, Kent Baseball Club, and they were one of the founding members of the VBBA, and they helped a lot of clubs over here start. And we always played by one set of rules. I started in two thousand eight, and um. You know, when I was first exposed to vintage baseball, whatnot, we only knew this one way to play that was, you know, straight up in the field, you know, you know, no stealing, no leading off, um, you know, n- you know, no, no sliding no nothing. And, you know, if the ball was caught on a bound, it was an out caught in the air. You get what we call free backs. You just retreat back to the base. That's the only way we knew. So, and we weren't exposed to anything different until, gosh, I'd been on the club for about three years before we uh, started playing any other team that was doing anything different. And, uh, you know, it was kind of an eye opener. And um, I never heard, I've never heard anything straight from anybody that, you know, that we're doing anything wrong. I just, from me, um, you know, reading things, seeing things on social media and whatnot like that, they're just kind of indirect, like, you know, hey, this isn't right. This isn't correct. We've done more research and we found out about, uh, you know, that, uh, you know, of what's all different now. And, um, you know, so, but we still over on this side, you know, with the few teams that we have left, um, you know, we've always still been kind of stuck in this, you know, I guess you could say rut, but uh, in the way of playing the way we've always used to been playing, um, we have made a lot of changes. We have worked on a lot of things and they're just not always easy to kind of implement, I guess. All right. When you go through, well, for one, it's almost like when you are playing vintage baseball for the first time because you've been playing baseball Mm -hmm. and watching baseball, and then all of a sudden those rules are thrown out the window. 
So now right. you're playing vintage baseball and you're learning all of those rules. And then three years into doing that, you find out you're doing it wrong. So then you have to relearn more vintage baseball rules that you didn't know existed. And now you're, so it's, uh, yeah, it's, it gets very confusing. It can. Mm -hmm. And all clubs do something. Here's the thing. All clubs do something as an alteration to a rule to fit their squad. Mm -hmm. This happens. I can, I don't, I don't have a club anymore. I can say these things. So, sure. <laughs> so, uh, uh, so that's not controversial. It happens. Uh, explain mm -hmm. to everybody. You said the first time you heard something on this show about something was Mike Feeney talking about the freebacks. Uh, a lot of mm -hmm. a lot of clubs don't understand what that means because that's never been a thing. So explain, mm -hmm. explain what the freebacks is. Well, that's all we can say. That's what we, we first started playing. And that's what we, well, very first time I played vintage baseball was against, it was against the chance. And basically what a freeback is, is basically when, you know, when the ball is caught out of bound, that's, that's an out, no bound rule. But when you catch it on the fly, basically what that is, is any runners that have, tried to advance, have to retreat back to the previous base. Right. And you guys were playing so, it to where they could not be thrown out. It was free backs. Yeah. It, it was basically just a free back. Yep. And we were playing that all the way up until yeah, uh, this year. <laughs> so you, you guys played free backs all the way from 2008 to 2022. Um, over here at our, when we played our home matches, yes. Anyway, you know, anywhere else we went, we always played by whatever rules and we still right. do any, any rules that they have. We play by. Did the conversations about the freebacks going away start when you guys were getting invited to the world's tournament and you were playing a much higher skill level than you were used to? No, not really. Um, we just, you know, we would just adapt to playing whatever rules that were, were out there. You know, we knew that some of the teams we played, played, you know, played 1867, that some, you know, played, you know, stealing, modified stealing, whatever. And, um, you know, we always knew that going to Greenfield Village. I mean, we found out the first time and we were like our very first time going there, I think it was 2012. And we were like deer in the headlights. You know, we were like, oh, my goodness, what's this? And you know, we're, we, oh, we were so used to playing what we've played over here, you know, versus the Kents and the Mariners and Stars and we'll, we'll all play the same way. And then we go over there and we're playing this 1867 game where they're stealing and leading off and you know, and tagging up and all that other stuff. And, you know, we, well, well, there's a whole new different way to play. And, but we still always, you know, kind of over here on our Island on the West side of the state has always had always stuck to that way. So, and, you know, personally myself, you know, I'm good. I, I was good either way, but uh, you know, I, I, I like the, I like the challenge of being able to tag up and, you know, do what's supposed to be doing. And I, you know, over the course of me looking at rules and stuff like that, I realized freebacks were never a thing, but, um, I'm only one person. Oh no. Yeah, absolutely. That's, uh, that's been Paul Hunkley's battle cry for his entire life. I'm only one person. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so you guys addressed freebacks and that's no longer a thing. The, one of the problems, I guess the problem isn't the right word, but one of the Kents, uh, disintegrated. 
and went away. The west side of Michigan mm-hmm. was a bunch of lower skilled 64 clubs. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they all played by this. So <laughs> you, you were not the only club doing freebacks. Oh, no. Uh-uh. No. Not at all. No. Um, you know, you had you had the Kent Baseball Club over here. Um, and you also, you know, you had the Sydney, the Sydney Stars. Sydney's still still around there. They're they're hanging on. Um, and then of course, you know, Kalamazoo, though they're like an hour away, they're you know, they're over they're over here too. Um, but I think they still play a little bit more um, you know, I guess you say more up to date vintage rules. Um you had, I think, the Ludington Mariners, and these were all clubs that that uh, Gordon Olson, who was the founder of the Kent, he helped he helped start. And uh, yeah, we all we all played by those rules. So then, clubs like Ludington doesn't exist anymore, I don't believe. Uh, Petoskey doesn't no, exist no. anymore, I believe. Uh, no, nope, they don't. And and I, you had you had Coopersville too. Coopersville had the Muldoons, and they ended up disbanding. Right about the time I started playing. So, so you you guys are stuck with playing less West Michigan teams and having to kind of migrate into the middle of Michigan, mm-hmm. where the closer you get to Detroit, the more competitive it becomes, I guess it's safe to say. Sure. And uh, most definitely. So some of these so some of these uh rules that you guys would play by naturally would fall by the wayside, just uh survival of the fittest as far as it comes to rules oh sure sure yeah like <laughs> i said we, we had to kind of adapt and you know we knew you know we knew every year going you know going down to greenfield village or going anywhere um on the east side was going to be a challenge and you know you know our our skill set got better and our players got better even though we still you know played by the same rules that we'd always known and um i think when we finally broke through yeah i think it was 2017 2016 we finally broke through and um, and beat the Lottie Dawes on the you know we beat the Lottie Dawes, you know that's like you know um, you know that's like beat the Yankees you know and uh, we finally beat them then uh, we finally you know I think that's when we got the invitation to play at the World Tournament oh we get to play at the World Tournament you know that was a that was a it was a big deal for us no it's it's a big deal for everybody so absolutely <laughs> uh, for the clubs that get to finally break break through. Cause there's a lot of clubs trying to break through to get into those invites. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is a big deal. Let me ask yeah. you about a couple other things. Sure. And I don't know where you guys stand on these rules. So we'll just talk about them as they come up. The one, so that was the Mike Feeney rule. Mike Feeney hated the free backs. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so Mike, we've addressed it. You're welcome. Uh, <laughs> the one that killed me was the modern lineup. Mm-hmm the not playing the vintage lineup. Uh, I had asked a couple of people why you guys play modern lineup. And the answer I was always given was uh, they want it. You guys want to give everybody on the team the same amount of chances. I hate this so much, Jeff. Uh, It makes my skin crawl. Uh, Do you guys still do (laughs) modern lineups? Yes, we do. Oh my God. (laughs) <laughs> I, I guess, I guess 
guess it isn't something we thought we really thought was was a was a was a big deal. Well, you know, will we play it? Sure, if if, if that's the rule that uh, everybody plays, and I I I, I get it. It's it's vintage. Um, you know, there's no disputing that. No, acknowledge it. But um, I guess it hasn't been anything we probably thought was a big deal. So. But, um, I mean, you're playing 1864, right? That's your main. Sure. You're playing 1864 yeah, 18, baseball, but 18, you're. 18, yeah. All right. Well, they didn't use a modern lineup. No, they didn't. Okay. I, I don't agree. know. Where, I don't know where else to go with it <laughs> from there. Uh, yeah, I guess that. I, I guess I just has. I mean, I mean, is it something we could probably address? I, I, I probably. It's not so you know, much I'm, of the. I understand your guys, or I don't. I guess I can't even yeah. attribute it to you, but the rationale of giving everybody the same amount of at bats. I understand that mm-hmm. as you just want it to be fair for everybody. Unfortunately. This is a competitive event that's not fair for everybody. But the right. the thing about baseball that you always hear from people that love baseball so much is baseball is a thinking man sport. What makes it different mm-hmm. from every everything else is because it's mm-hmm. not it's not just the excelling of hitting the ball. I mean, there's right. chess being played out there. Mm-hmm. And the vintage lineup adds to the chess that has to be played because it deals Good with point. It deals with uh, getting the last out of the inning at a base that gives you an advantage the next time that club comes up and stuff like that. And that's stuff you constantly have to be thinking about making it, I think, more fun. And I think that really trumps giving everybody a fair amount of at-bats. Yeah, I, and yeah, I definitely there, see that point. I guess it's, it's something we really haven't thought about. I, I haven't personally myself. I haven't really thought about the lineup. I just, I just know I'm. I, I bat last all, all the time. <laughs> but um, I yeah, I, something we've never really thought about. Really, to be honest with you. And also, and also in the long run, it really doesn't affect at bat numbers that much. So, uh, although you could find yourself making the last out of an inning and leading off the next inning. Which is fun sometimes. Okay. Yeah. But, uh, and I say you are not the only team that does this. So, <laughs> so it does, no, we have to throw like that. I said, I can't remember. <laughs> yeah, I can't remember what other teams that. Uh, I think Northville does this. I the could, vintage or the modern? The, the modern. The modern? Okay. Yeah. I guess I, I guess I'm, I'm honestly not aware of what teams do modern lineup and what teams do vintage lineup. So I could uh, be wrong. On that. And again, yeah. And again, any team that we, we go to play, you know, we play, you know, if they're doing a, a vintage lineup, we'll play vintage lineups. But everything we bring up here, I just, I don't want it to seem like I am not picking on, on the rogues. You oh, offered no, no. you you offered yourself up for this conversation, so we're having oh, it. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> but every <laughs> every rule that we're bringing up, other clubs are doing it too. You are not like the redheaded stepchild of vintage baseball. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just take the heat. <laughs> <laughs> is uh, so that's always been my pet peeve. Is <laughs> is is the lineup, and then. Uh, Let's go back in time to 2018-ish, mm-hmm. first year of the Frankenmuth uh, Festival. Okay. That's the year I heard this. 
they have somebody who's wearing jewelry, sunglasses, sweatbands. Uh, what was the other thing? And there was something else. And I didn't have time to police that kind of thing. I never said anything in the rules about that kind of thing. I don't have time for that. But I had so many people coming over, and I think it was your pitcher, uh, was wearing sunglasses, like not just sunglasses, oh, but like Oakleys <laughs> or whatever they were, the, the real beachy sunglasses. Boy, I'm cool. Ah, uh, uh, good old deuce. And, uh, <laughs> and stuff like that. And there was something else. I don't remember. Uh, mm-hmm. The sunglasses is something we talk about all the time because – if the 1864 players had sunglasses, they probably would have wore them. The sun's mm-hmm. a dangerous, <laughs> the sun's a dangerous thing. So you say nobody wore sunglasses; they weren't even invented. But if they were, they'd be wearing <laughs> them. But yeah, but most, uh, I would say, 95 percent of vintage sticks to the no sunglasses. Uh, did you ever hear anything about anything like that? The, the little extra things, the logos was another thing. I never, I never heard any feedback that we were doing anything, you know, and I mean, I knew this, I know that sunglasses aren't a thing. I mean, you know, I mean, guilty myself. Look at the, uh, look at my picture on the post that you, that you put of me. It shows me in these glasses that transition dark. So um, I do have a, pair of old glasses that um you know like i'll wear at greenfield village because we know that's they're strict on that stuff and um you know granted i don't see near as good but um but yeah i i didn't hear anyone say anything to us but you know if you know you, you know you had had you had it in the rules and we probably you know we should probably know better but um had it in the rules we probably would we probably would have fit it but that's probably another one of those things that we just really had at our you know our home events hadn't made that big of a deal over um you know and yeah we should probably be better at that well the reason you don't hear anything about it is because people don't want to cause an issue and then you got sure. I get then it. you got hurt feelings, and then you got teams not scheduling with each other because now one team's oh, sure. upset with another team, and it's really mm-hmm. it's not that big of a deal. That's why we can sit mm-hmm. here and have a conversation about it and have it not affect sure. us. It's not that big of a deal. It's just a thing. Uh, oh sure, the big joke used <laughs> to be when it came to it over here when someone would wear sunglasses or whatever they go, oh, he's got syphilis. So I don't know where that came from. <laughs> <laughs> so, but uh, that's what they would say, you know. If I if someone was rolled up the, you know, with the bat with their glasses on, everyone on the field would be like, "Oh, got syphilis! Oh, what's he doing out here?" Well, oh, they, they, you know, laugh and joke at you. That's funny. I've never heard that, but I did make the connection. Uh, that's yep. <laughs> I don't hear. So I guess with this platform, I have I hear. This, mm-hmm. this kind of thing all the time. And you've heard some episodes where we've talked about this. You've made reference at least three or four times in this interview of, of course, when we play other clubs that are doing certain things by certain rules, we will play by those rules or whatever. And you've brought up Greenfield mm-hmm. village a lot. Mm-hmm. I kind of use Greenfield village as the pillar of the community but they're not even innocent in the whole in the whole thing. 
they are just as close as you can get in Michigan almost to being accurate except for that uh that whole leadoff thing and no stealing in in the world's tournament that's you know that's mm-hmm. a modification a lot of these things are modifications for sure. the uh, the appeasement of club members or for the entertainment of spectators uh, everybody makes mm-hmm. like i said at the beginning everybody makes adjustments uh sure what do you see uh let's see if i can get you to say what do you consider the biggest issue on the rogues right now that you'd like as a member of the rogues to you said you're just one person but you're one person mm-hmm. that's going to be heard what's uh-huh. the one thing you'd like to change that they currently do one that we currently do well we did change one thing and you know we did some we did some talking i'll say the big change that happened that i was i was that i was really happy with and i did some talking with justin and i actually posed this question um i think it was a 19th century baseball page and i got a message from i believe corky mccaskill is his name and um he messaged me because i i posed a question about um tagging up you know and you know you know and retreating and picking off and leaning off and he see i i didn't see where it would seem to be able to dress correctly and he pointed me to look down in the 1860 rules look down towards the bottom he said, look down towards the bottom where nobody looks and he read it he pointed out some some things to me and i go aha light bulb and that was the big thing that i did so we basically you know you know with a little with eliminating freebacks and limiting on leadoffs and things like that um you know i and you know that's what that, that's the biggest change that we made that made me happy more changes and a big change that i'd like to see um i i'd like this to do a little uh a little more uh, i got how can i put this um i like this i like i like this to steal so you would like to uh go to a more of a unlimited leadoff stealing well we do un- we do unlimited we do unlimited do we do unlimited uh, leadoffs i i guess i wouldn't mind being more towards what i guess you could say more towards what the lottie does do they do a kind of a, they do kind of a um a mod- they do like a modified stealing open stealing you know, probably never going to happen with us, you know? Well, like we said earlier, it's hard for you guys. You guys can't just flip and go straight to Mm -hmm. doing every single rule the right way because you still have a schedule full of clubs to deal with. You still have to face all these clubs and you can't just be like, Whoa, we're not doing any of that stuff anymore. And then then you wouldn't have a schedule. So (laughs) these things do have to be done baby steps mm-hmm. absolutely mm-hmm. and you say we've we take you know we've take we've taken those ba- we've taken those baby steps so uh yeah the i like the uh, new uniforms that the rogues have it has the uh the orange mixed in there they look sharp mm-hmm. uh i wish you guys plenty of luck the one thing i'd like to get rid of is the justin brokema toe tap and the mike feeney leg kick 
If I if I can get rid of those two things, I know he's got the he's got that he got that he's got that high leg kick and uh, yeah, Justin's always he's always had that toe tap. That toe kind of, always kind of been his thing. It's such a it's just I, every time I see him, I'm like softball. Damn it, he's playing softball out there. Stop it. But uh, no, Justin's a good guy, and uh, I'm sure he'll only heat he me is. for a, a couple of months for that comment. So. <laughs> hey, hey, Jeff, uh, thanks for coming on. Uh, I appreciate you willing oh, to you. address subject matter that usually people fight about, and we did not fight about it. Hey, we just want to play and have fun. That's what it's all about. Really, that's <laughs> you know? that's what it is, is you want to play and have Absolutely. a good time. And we're just down here doing our best, everybody. We're just down here doing Absolutely. our best. Absolutely. All right, Jeff, uh, you take care of yourself. You have a, a fabulous holiday season, and I'm sure you as well. next season uh, we will do something more uh, because of your generosity of coming on to talk about this. We'll do something more with the Rogues and a more uh, team atmosphere next season. How's that? Sounds like fun. Looking forward to it. All right. You have a good night. You too. Thank you. Mr. Jarvis. How you doing? Hey, man. How are we doing? Uh, we are doing good. Uh, I had to let you into the room in the middle of our last interview because of I, uh, Rudy being sick. He's usually in charge of this stuff. <laughs> oh, geez. He's sick. I was wondering where he was at. Yeah. If, when he came on, he sounded like he was uh, gargling glass. Uh, and it's uh, it's pretty painful. He's got the vid. He's got the COVIDs. And, uh, oh, boy. The, the the wife had it too, or has it has it too. So he's been miserable for about a week. We didn't know if he was going to get to this interview or not. So uh, he just came I, in and started. I feel a little bit slighted, actually. Then, yeah, ain't it the truth? I'm sorry. You're you're getting old school. You're just <laughs> you're just getting me. That's uh, that's uh, that's too bad for you, Don. Anyway, we are that's recording. Okay. Just so you know, I assume you know that we're still recording and. Uh, being joined yep. here, boy, I'm very professional. Let's let's do an introduction here. We're being joined by one of the 17 captains of the Akron Black Stockings, <laughs> or or three three captains of the There's Akron Black Stockings. There's only three of us. Don Jarvis, <laughs> Don, how are you doing? Man, I couldn't be better right now. Did you guys have four captains before Scott? Step down, or would did somebody replace? Uh, yeah, we did. We did have one season. This past season was four captains. Uh, it was uh, Keith's uh, kind of trial season, and uh, Scott's last handoff season. He's still, you know, Scott's Scott. He's never gonna not be uh, as involved as he always wants to be. So, um, he's still the basically the treasurer of the of the team of the club. Well, that's a strong suit. I remember the first year I did the Frankenmuth Festival, uh, Scott got a hold of me and said, hey, you've got this captain's match. We have two captains. Can we both have a spot? And I'm like, God, that's like opening a can of worms. Uh, no. And he's like, are you sure? And I'm like, if I let two Akron guys show up to that captain's match, I'm going to have 31 other clubs looking at me like, what are you doing? We want two guys. Yep. And uh, so you did not get the privilege of playing in the first captain's match at the festival. Did you play in any of them? I didn't them? get the first one. Yeah, it was last year I did. 
This past year I did. Uh, those so are... Scott took the first one and then we didn't make it for a couple of years. And then this past year, um, I, I had to play the privilege of playing in the, uh, captain's match. The captain's match always starts out like such a good time. And then somewhere in the middle, uh, everybody loses their smile and gets a little more aggressive and like, Hey, we're trying to win this match. <laughs> and it's fun watching that. Nobody won to, to Arbor. Didn't we have a, wasn't that the, no, we had to. I'm pretty sure it was. I'm sorry. Go ahead. We had. Didn't we have Paul Hunkley and somebody else sharing the arbiting? No, I meant the, the losers, the captains that lost. Oh, I know. What had you're to saying. arbor throughout the weekend. No, just one match. Well, but I they mean, still yeah, don't want to do it. It should only take one match. Right, but they. Uh, they still don't want to do it. No, no, that's like you yeah. have to. You have to put some incentive on that, Don. <laughs> I know. I get it. There's got to be stakes. I was a loser. I did my time. But I really underestimated uh, how having bragging rights was so important to these captains because you're playing all the other captains, and you guys are never oh, yeah. in this situation. It's always your your club playing another guy's club, and it's like a a team thing, but now you're representing your team all by yourself against all these yep. other guys that put in all the work is the same as you and all that stuff. And it's a, and it's a, a best of the best as far as people who are involved in vintage baseball and you don't get that ever. So no, you rarely get that. Something like that. I think we did that something like that one year down in uh, Dover. We pulled together a, Kind of a captain's type match, but it wasn't necessarily the captains. It was, uh, you know, as many guys we can get from as many teams we can get around the area. And it's always fun when you get that that kind of group together because usually the ones that come together like that are the ones that put in the work like you're saying. You know, we, you know, there's a lot of work putting in for the schedule. Luckily, there's three of us, so uh, I just get all the game day and all the field activities. So Chase gets all the uh, the GM duties that uh, Scott was doing and uh, Keith kind of took up all of the, the merch ac activities and whatever else you can pick up, you know, just working on Facebook, just, just having to keep Facebook up to date it um, just to uh, get the name out there and get vintage out there is enough work. In my opinion. I mean, there's a lot that goes through all that. Just trying to get more people out to come see the games. So funny thing, how this interview came together. Uh, I was uh, Don Jarvis has been a name on my list. I don't, we haven't really talked that much over the years. Uh, just probably a little chit chat and passing or whatever. Yep. And, uh, but I knew you were a guy cause I think Rudy, did Rudy and I talk to you at like the Ohio cup? How do, how do Rudy and I know that you were involved in cheerleading? You told us that where was this? I, I have no idea where I told you that. I mean, it's not, it's probably, uh, you know, I don't know. It's in my notes. I honestly don't know. So in, I forget who I've told, honestly. I have in my notes uh, to get in Don Jarvis and to bring up that you were a male cheerleader. No, we did talk about this in person. This wasn't something I heard from somebody else. Okay. Uh, I don't, I don't, it had to have been Ohio Cup then. And uh, because it's either in, Ohio uh, Cup or one of the or one of the Frankenmuth festivals, I mean, those are the only times honestly we can get to see each other most of the time. Because I remember I wanted to start asking you a bunch of questions about it, and I was like, "Wait, nope, I'm saving it, saving it." 
So, <laughs> so it's probably Ohio Cup. Uh, but anyway, so I I contacted you. I was like, well, I was looking for you a couple weeks ago on the social media because I don't have your phone number, and I sent right. you a message on Facebook, and you don't really do the Facebook as an individual. Uh, no, nope. and uh, I have an I, account, but I can't tell you the last time I was actually on it. And then before I could move over and try you on Instagram, you sent me a message. And you yep. were asking me about if everyone listens to previous episodes, you know that there was a a brainchild, the Roller Altabarro Classic that I've been trying to put together. And you were asking me if uh, if that's actually a thing that's going to happen. A lot of people were because they're scheduling and they want to uh, yep. to be able to uh, keep that date open if necessary. And it wasn't. Uh, that had fallen through at uh, a couple of places and I, it was really out of my mind. And then you breathed some life back into it and, and made an effort to try to make that, uh, survive. That did not happen as we sit here today. Uh, but I did, yeah. but I did want to thank you, uh, for your efforts Absolutely. into, uh, trying to hold that event. That event is not, it's not dead. It's on life support, but it's not dead. It's on, right. <laughs> it's we're trying to give us some CPR. Um, <laughs> we actually have a message out to the the, the location to see if uh, we can work some things out, like we talked about. Um, so we're still fingers crossed and hoping, hoping they and, can make it happen. But uh, it's it's definitely on its last leg right now. Yeah, yeah. You, and uh, there is one more location in Michigan that I'm going to contact after, uh, after you pull the plug <laughs> and uh, try that. And then if not, it didn't happen. There ain't nothing I can do about it. It's harder to do these events when you don't have a club. So you don't yeah, have a location and you're just like, Oh, where can I do this? And, and, uh, <laughs> there was a couple of places that were like, you're trying to, uh, invite some people for a, a tournament. And I'm like, yeah, you have a vintage baseball club. Oh, well, we don't want to upset the vintage baseball club. I'm like, they know about it. They're part of it. Mm, how many people? Yeah. I'm like, 96 players and then whoever comes. Are you going to put a cap on how many people can come? And I'm like, why would I want to do that? <laughs> I don't want, I want, yeah. I want more people, not less. Or right. Everyone, uh, there were two places that were afraid of how many people were going to come. And I'm like, you know, I, uh, uh, a thousand people come to Frankenmuth, <laughs> and I'm just yeah, like, right. I got a couple hundred coming, and you're like, man. Uh, yeah, the the number of people definitely wasn't the thing for us. It was just it's a new location, uh, and they're just uh, we're kind of feeling each other out. So, I think that's kind of. And then they heard the word tournament. Yeah, that's and, a, that's a rough word. Yeah, you know, we could have mm, hindsight maybe tried to steer away from that word and kind of went with a <laughs> the word festival maybe. <laughs> But, yeah. uh, you know, you live, you learn. You're right. Well, you know what? And it's probably not going to happen. So it's it, but it is probably a good thing that they're going to start with their vintage exposure being just two clubs and you guys. And yeah, and they will fall in love with it. We know that they will. And especially mm -hmm. a place like that, that place is phenomenal. Yeah. Uh, we, we did our homework on that place and wow. Of course they would want vintage baseball there. That place is perfect oh, yeah. for it. So they'll fall in love with you, and maybe we'll do something in 2024. Who knows? 
That'd be uh, fantastic. I, I know the the Black Stockings captains are all in. I can tell you that. We were probably not quite as disappointed as you when we found out we're on life support, but uh, we were pretty, pretty uh, disappointed. Uh, and then your other home field, which you can't get into until later in the season, Stan Hewitt. Of course, everybody knows that's where the Akron yep. Cup happens, and that's just a – I mean, you will have two of the best places in vintage baseball to play games. Like, you'll be the only club I can think sure. of that has two top-tier fields. We are absolutely spoiled, and we know it. You know, we actually – when we go to Stan Hewitt, we go so often, and it's almost like – we have to remind ourselves how great we have it, you know? So when we go to travel, we're like, okay, remember, this is why we love Stan Hewitt so much, you know? Okay. The grass is a little long today. All right. We can get over that. So I'm going to give you uh, a memory of you and me from the Ohio cup playing against each other. I don't think you're going to remember this, but I'm going to remember it for the rest of my life. Oh boy. I I got a, I got a base hit. (laughs) In the left field. And uh, I was rounding first base, feeling myself. I was never going to. I can't. There was no threat. I wasn't going anywhere. But, you know, you round the base as you do. Right. You got the ball. You were playing third base. And uh, I believe Scott was playing first base. Or was it the other way around? You and Scott. I'm gonna tell you, if I was at third, then Scott was gonna be probably the one at first. Okay. Um, you guys. Usually, the way we play. Yeah. If it's we have Rob, which has been on the team the longest. If he's not at first, it's gonna be one of us two, most likely. So I was playing with the Minnesota Union. So it was the first Ohio Cup I played in. So this is probably the last year before COVID. I want to say. Okay. Uh, so I rounded. You know, and then turn my back to go back to first base. Well, I believe you got the throw in from the left fielder, and you turn and you th- right. you throw a piss rocket over to first base, and I get <laughs> and I get tagged out, uh, meandering my way back to first base, just kind of uh, soaking up the joy of getting a base hit, and and I look back over, I'm like, oh no. I have to remember that some guys are here to play baseball and I was not in that mindset. I am just out here. I have got to kick it up a notch. I think is what I have to do, or at least not be so silly hearted as I run the bases. And uh, so you taught me a valuable lesson that day and uh, I've never done that ever again. Fortunately, it was at the end of my career, and it doesn't matter. But thank you for the lesson learned. Uh, yeah, you, you guys uh, have the pleasure of being in the Ohio Cup every year. You play on one day because yeah. you're an Ohio club. You got some memories from the Ohio Cup uh, personally for Mr. Don Jarvis that you'd like to share? It would have to be probably one of my first times ever being on the team playing at Ohio Cup. Um, and it was raining like it does sometimes at Ohio Cup. And I actually have a picture, and I'm not sure where the picture's at. Um, my parents drove down from Akron because they used to follow me everywhere I went. And um, I have a picture of mom taking me, taking a picture of me rounding third base, hitting a, a, a water puddle, mud puddle, and the water splashing up base up to my hips. Um, just 
out there having fun. I mean, obviously you're not going to be too, too aggressive and, you know, too, um, try to win too hard. I mean, obviously you're always trying to win, but, uh, when it's mud and water up your waist and you're playing, that's probably one of my favorite times. This is my first time, I guess is really what it came down to. You are an intense player, but you do not wear it on your face. You have the same expression on your face the entire time you're playing baseball. It never changes. You never smile and laugh, uh, but you never like get angry and are yelling that I've seen. I guess this is no, this is just me. Uh, but I do get the impression that when you first started out in vintage, and I have this is just an opinion, Don. I don't know. It took you a little while to get intensity under under control a little bit because you are an intense guy, and I can assume that when you first started, it took you a little bit to get used to where the line was. You know, actually, not so much in vintage. Um, the guys that invited me were very smart. Uh, I played softball with them before that, and until I started to calm down a little bit in softball, I wasn't invited to vintage. Oh, my what yeah they were smart they were definitely smart <laughs> when they did that well with age comes wisdom so let me ask uh, a younger don jarvis what was the situation at the softball fields um i'm it was intense what's this intense is the right word i, I want to kind of leave it there it was uh you give me one you give me one incident just one something where you look back and go, ah, probably shouldn't have, that went too far. Um, Hmm. Well, one time I was playing, uh, I was playing ball and I was probably one of the first times out of, out of, uh, school playing softball. I was playing with my uncle and, um, I got so into the game that, uh, I couldn't even make a play after that. Like he just got, I was, I was just, almost itching to have a fight, which was not good. Um, I, I definitely had that. Uh, and then unfortunately that reputation carried with me for a while. And um, I think I'm starting to get out of it now. Cause I'm, I am calm. I'm usually one of the calmer guys now. Uh, but uh, younger Don Jarvis did, did definitely had a problem. Yeah. So well, let's put it this way. I was actually, I was watching my sister play one time cause she plays off all the way through. And, uh, I got kicked out of a uh, park because I was yelling at the umpire at her game. So <laughs> we can we can just kind of take that where that might would probably go in uh, throughout my career. Umpiring girls softball games is what ended my umpiring career. I will tell you that. Oh, I believe it. Oh, they are way had, worse than men. <laughs> if you had you know if you had a brother like me in the in the stands too, that was uh, that that didn't help. Oh my god, I'd never yeah. I never felt so alone than being an umpire in a girl softball <laughs> match. It was the worst experience of my life. Uh, one of my favorite softball stories to share from another intense individual is Jeff Silverback Rawl, a uh, member of the Bay City Independence. Uh, I believe that. F- former captain, very intense. He's still intense uh, as uh, with everybody. It, it mellows with age. But yep. before he found vintage baseball, I went to a softball game he was having, and he hit a home run in his first three at-bats, Don. A home run in his first three at-bats. 
and his team was smoking the other team. He got up for his fourth at bat, and it got caught at the warning track, and he threw his bat against the fence. And I'm like, wow, that's a bit much. (laughs) And I, I always tell that story. Like, I've never hit a home run. You hit three, and you're upset you didn't get the fourth one. So his intensity has uh, uh, mellowed over the years, too, because I, I think I know for a fact when he got into vintage, he had that still. He just didn't, but he had to learn quick where the line was. And yeah. so he, I, honestly, I think I credit uh, vintage with getting me to where I'm at right now. Like, um, even when they invited me to, I was still a little a little more intense on the field and softball. But then, uh, you know, I'm in vintage. I'm like, oh, this is gentlemanly. This is this is how you this is how you should be playing. Um, you know, have more fun. Try, try to win. You know, but uh, you know, it, it, it's just a different game. And today, you, if someone told me either vintage or softball, I'm not playing softball again in my life. Like hands down. Yeah, it's amazing how many people say that uh, after experiencing the vintage, and yet you still, we still have problem with numbers across across the board. It's amazing to me. I don't understand why wow. there's a problem, uh, except for it's- too many clubs existing, Michigan. Uh, but but still, those guys well, would have to travel. Mm. It, it, I think some of the guys are afraid of, of catching a ball without a glove. That really, I think, it scares a lot of the softball guys. Well, let's go back to when you come across vintage baseball for the first time. How do you hear about it, uh, and how do you feel about it when you first come across it? So I got—I was playing. I was actually playing softball with Scott um, and Dennis and uh, Josh, the guy that he doesn't play anymore. He used to play on the Black Stockings. And um, they said, come on out and try it. And I came out. And I thought, I was like, oh, this is going to be a little weird, but, you know, I've called balls without a glove before. Okay, whatever. And uh, the first practice I was at, I was playing third base during, during BP. I just wanted to get a feel for it. And a guy hit a um, just a straight BB down the line. I stuck my hand out, broke my thumb. First practice, shattered my thumb. Wow. Didn't know it, right, because it swelled up so fast. Had no idea. Went to get an x-ray. They said nothing was broken. So I played two vintage weekends with it an entire softball season with it before a doctor actually said, Oh yeah, it's shattered. You got to get a bunch of pins and screws put in it now. Oh. And I've been in love ever since. <laughs> How long into your vintage career? Did you know that softball had to go? Uh, a couple years, two years, maybe. I mean, it wasn't long. It really wasn't, you know, the first year I broke my thumb, uh, and then I came back near the end of that year or the year after that. And um, it was basically someone say the word and softball's over. I mean, it was, I play now just to keep my swing throughout the week. That's all I play for. Well, you guys, you have a, a pretty sweet situation. Uh, we talk on many episodes on this podcast about how getting together enough guys to make sure dates aren't canceled and the lack of commitment. Akron does not have these problems, do they? They do not have commitment issues. Uh, recently. Recently we haven't. We've been there in the past, unfortunately. Um, one time this past season, actually, we did have to cancel one, and it was because 
somebody had, I forget, it was like a, somebody had some emergency happen. Uh, two people were on vacation. I, it was just like a series of every event that could possibly happen. Um, and honestly, traveling is where we're usually hitting the nine, maybe for lucky 10. Um, home games, I'll have 15, 20 people want to sure, play. Sure. Well, especially at that way game, but... it's like, ah, oh, we got nine. You know, we're, we're happy. We're pumped. You guys are a, uh, competitive might be an unfair word, but you guys aren't, when you lose, you're not going down easy. I mean, you're a good club. You guys know how to play baseball. That's a fact. We appreciate that. Uh, and you have a great event there with the Akron cup. Uh, I was able to make the trek there to play as a Columbus capital in my last year of, of playing. And that was awesome. And then what happened? I came back. Hmm. Did I come back to do the podcast? I think you were supposed to one year and something happened. You couldn't make it. Something happened. Ah, That's what it was. Is I was supposed to come and then uh, Rudy canceled. Was that the year? Was that the year like monsoon? Yeah, I think it was. No. Well, no, the year at Monsoon <laughs> was the year that Canton won it. Yeah. Yeah, I was there. I was playing as a capital that year. It was the next year or something. Okay. Anyway, yes, because the Capitals decided not to play against Canton or something, and Canton won by forfeit or something like that. No, the the one the year they won by Monsoon, they played they played the championship with um Dover, I think. I think it was Dover. If I remember right. So somebody the last, the last year that they won it. So somebody got into the championship because of the Capitals, which I guess is me also deciding not to play because it was raining. That it. It, it must have been something like that. Anyway, where is I don't I mean honestly I don't remember. Uh, Two we, years ago, I don't remember. I think the last year it was uh <laughs> Akron in the and Canton in the championship game and uh Canton came out on top. Ah, uh, screw them. Screw them, Don. You know. Is there more? Hey, it was a good match. It came down to it was uh, we were at last at bats. I was up. I had uh, a runner on second. I thought I smoked it over the second base, and uh, out of nowhere, shortstop comes up with these giant meat hooks and just catches the ball and then steps on second for a double play. So it was an amazing catch. I had to relive it like three or four times because Feeney filmed it and put it everywhere. <laughs> so uh, it was awesome. I got to keep re-seeing my failure. Um, but you know, Canton is a good group of guys. And the thing is they know how to play baseball. Uh, I love playing against Canton. They, uh, you know, on paper, you're like, whatever. But as far as baseball knowledge and intelligence, yep. there, there isn't a better club right now than them guys. Yeah. They know, I love ev- playing against Canton so much. they know every little rule and th- they expose them all the time to their advantage. They're, and they're good guys, so so that's uh, the best part. They're fun to play with, you know. Absolutely, they're, they're not going to go out there and rub it in your face. They're going to go out there and play their game. Um, they're not going to yell and scream if you make a good play and get upset. And you know, unfortunately, even in vintage, it seems like every once in a while you get somebody that's just fresh over from softball, and those are the ones that'll slide into you or you know try to take you out or something. And so you have to remind them, like, hey guys, this is softball. I got, I got work tomorrow. I don't need this. Like, <laughs> and Canton, I'm past that. 
Canton will slide into every base all over the place, but they're doing it within the realm of reality. They're not sliding into people. They're not exactly. doing it to break things up. They're they're exactly. they're doing it for the health of the play, and they just deem that's what's the healthiest thing at that moment. And they always yep. get a ton of garbage about how they're sliding and everything when it's just the smartest play at the time. You just got to watch it to appreciate it or be on the field uh, and play yeah. against them to appreciate that that there isn't uh, an evil bone in the in those bodies. And, yeah, I don't mind the sliding rule as long as the venue is okay with it. You know, right. That's that's the part you got to watch out for. As long as it's set up up front, you know, as long as both teams playing by the same rules, then we're good. Absolutely. Don, take me back to when you are a young Don Jarvis. You have not grown into your beard yet. Uh, right. Your first memories of baseball and playing baseball. Okay. So this is my favorite memory. Uh, I will never forget this. I was playing T-ball. It was actually at a practice. And my dad was one of the coaches. I was playing first base. Kid hit it. My dad fielded it. He threw it at me. I wasn't paying attention because in T-ball, nobody pays attention. I was looking at the cars go by or picking dandelions or something. I don't know what I was doing. I got hit right in the face from my own dad at a T-ball practice. <laughs> yep. That's when I learned that you don't take your eye off the ball, even at practice. How did did you know it was him? Oh, he, oh yeah. Oh yeah. He told me afterwards, after I got done crying and was that the you lesson know, he told by my you? mom because I was a little kid and got, just got beamed right in the face by my dad. And yeah, I found out it was him. And is that what he told you is, uh, pay attention all the time at practice? I honestly don't know what he told me. <laughs> I don't remember that part. I just remember getting hit in the face. That's it. And you still kept playing. It did not. Oh, yeah. It did not deter you from moving up in in the ranks from the t-ball. T-ball. I find that most kids are out there. My kids were. Uh, my oldest son was out there. I don't know. I think he was trying to build sandcastles, like in the dirt out there. Yeah. No one cares. The ball gets actually gets hit, and everyone's trying to tackle uh, the ball, and it's uh, it's really not much of a baseball experience. But <laughs> nope. What was baseball like in a non-official uh, manner, like in your neighborhood, when you're trying to round up kids to play baseball? And we always say it here: you cannot, you cannot round up 17 friends to play a baseball game. So, what did what did the early baseball games look like in in your neighborhood? Run Derby. That was it. It was um, from from the very beginning. I had a wiffle balls, wiffle bat, and I had a fenced in backyard. So. We would set up home run would be the fence. And then we would, you know, play, you know, back in the day they did um home run derby, like um uh where there's two people and they went through basically innings. So you got so many outs in inning, you went through nine innings. And that's how we played it. Cause I saw that being played one time on ESPN Classic way back then. So I thought this is the best way to play home run derby. I don't care what they're doing now. This is how we're playing home run derby. You're talking about the old school, like Brooks Robinson and Willie Mays and all that stuff. Yep. When they did, it was like a weekly show and yep. it was like a tournament in the way that the winner would go on to the next week and, and face somebody until they got all the way to the end. Uh, I watched it every chance I got. 
Yeah, I have the I have a DVD of it. I watch once in a while. Uh, Do you really? I've I, never seen that. I was out on it too because I don't. I, I love that that style that that way they played Herman Derby. I thought it was just the coolest because they're basically playing a game. Right, but the only way to score is hitting a home run. Yeah, and they would always do the the close up, and they did this during baseball games back then too. They would do like this from under close up of the face of the hitter, and you know they're not doing that right now. That had to have been no. done and edited in there, and everything. But yeah. Uh, yeah, that that home run derby was was pretty cool. I don't know. I'm always fascinated by a home run derby, no matter what the rules are. I never have any complaints. Uh, well, yeah, well, of course. <laughs> Everyone just loves yeah, to I mean, we were, hit the ball. I've been fucking. doing uh, the Wiffle Ball Home Run Derby. I mean, since, like I said, even that was what we started. So it would be one or two of us, three, four, five of us, whatever it was. All the way up through when I got my first house, I was renting a house. It had a huge backyard, and me and my best friend, we would go out and play Home Run Derby all the time. Or actually, at that point, we actually sophisticated up a little bit. We had markers where if you hit it past this marker in the air, it was a single, double, triple, and then a home run. So then we would just keep track of the bases, and we play seven innings. That's what you had. You had to do rules like that because you just didn't have enough people to make things happen. Everybody had to make rules uh, to to get their satisfaction out of the baseball. After you, uh, do you follow organized baseball all the way up to high school? Do you do? minors and majors and all of that me personally yes no i made it through i made it through high school uh i tried to get into college um as a walk-on i didn't make it at akron um turns out they had too many catchers and i was a catcher all the way through high school and i uh, didn't make the squad so uh baseball official baseball kind of a kind of dive right there for me and then it honestly took me a couple of years to even want to play softball because I was like, man, I want to go out there and play those old guys. And then I got into it. And it's funny is softball has a bad name before you get into it and after you get out of it. Uh, <laughs> but yeah. during softball, you're like, that's eh, the only thing you can do. It really yep. is. Uh, did you ever look into because they exist, but they're just sparse? Uh, the fast pitch baseball leagues. Yeah, there's a there's one around here. It's uh called Roy Hobbs, and they they do play around here, but it's so um like it's so hard to get into. And like I know a couple guys that played it for a little bit. Um it just I didn't make the college squad, the university. I was like, you know what, this is my sign. You know, I hate it, but it's my sign, so I'm gonna give it up. It hurt. Uh how big of a baseball fan are you? Oh, huge, actually. I got uh, blueprints for one of the original bats on the wall. I got a blueprint for original baseball field up there, and I got a blueprint for a uh, ball over there. What is part the, of my art decorations. What is, the, uh, what is the team of choice for Mr. Jarvis? Cleveland. Okay. So I was hoping that was going to be the answer. What is your take on the Guardians? Uh, I was not a fan. Um, I'm a fan of the team. I'm not a fan of the name. So I grew up with the Indians and I still wear Chief Wahoo when I go to the games and I still will. That's not going to change, but, uh, I, you know, they did what they did, why they did it. You know, it's the times, I guess. I wish I would have picked something better than the guardians, but 
I would have been happy if they went back with like the Blues or the the Spiders or one of the even the older names. Yeah, but, they should have went back to one of the older names. But I I have a feeling they picked Guardians because it was the closest name they could come up with to what their name currently was to save them money on certain things. I think they uh, they went to, in my opinion, they went the cheaper route because they have those statues on the bridge in Cleveland that were already called the Guardians. So they're trying to tie it back into the city. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I have a, a, a little bit of a different viewpoint as you on that. I was never a fan of the Chief Wahoo, but I never cared that they were called the Indians. And I know that there's a lot of actual Native Americans that didn't care they were called the Indians. I guess it depends on who you talk to. You know, yeah, I'm sure. But. I thought the Chief Wahoo was a little over the top. Like, I didn't care about the Washington Redskins logo. I thought it was, I don't know, I thought it was pretty respectable. Uh, I never loved the Redskins, though. So I guess everybody has their line. Uh, When I was a kid, I loved the Chief Wahoo thing. Now as an adult, I can see, like, boy. If I was Native American, that that would... it's kind of goofy. Yeah. Do you remember like the old old one where it was like kind of more tannish and less reddish? Yeah. Yeah. That, I, to me, that looked more offensive. The other one looked more like a cartoon. But. Right. No, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. No, you're right on that. Uh, but I also know if I was a Cleveland Indians fan, I'd be wearing Chief Wahoo still to this day just like you do. So I'm not unrealistic about things like I'm a Detroit Tigers fan and I don't have to worry about that kind of thing. But, uh, uh, I don't know. Maybe one day the Tigers will be offended, man. I I don't know. uh, Listen, everybody's offended by something. And I think, (laughs) I I don't think we cared in the past about people being offended. So now I think we've gone, we've passed by and now we have to care about everybody being offended by everything. And I think we should have stopped short, like in the halfway. Like we overcorrected way too far. Like that's depends on all the swings, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, we're way over uh, here, and it swings all the way back over here. We'll get back into the middle eventually. We got to chill out. Like I, yeah. You don't think there's somebody out there offended that we're named after a, a an animal that gets caged in zoos? Damn it! There's a mm-hmm. group I can. I just I don't even have to look it up. I just know there's a group that protests the Detroit Tigers because, I mean, for crying out loud, they they got the cages taken off the animal crackers, Don. You know, now they're just free-roaming animals on the on the package of the animal crackers. So, yeah, That's what, accurate. What can you do? I wish the Washington uh, Commanders or Redskins would have just stayed the Washington Football Club. I thought that was pretty sweet. but I actually like that, too. I like the, the, the Washington Football Club. I, I kind of like that. I think uh, whoever buys the club is just going to go back. I think they're going to take the commanders off and just go back to that football club. They should. There's rumors. They should. There's rumors. You know, they're going to be an Amazon thing, apparently, if, if he gets his oh, way. Oh, boy. Uh, so, Don, you said you <laughs> – well, it's Jeff Bezos, I think, that's trying to buy the team. I think that's what I read. Uh You went into college. You tried out for the baseball. That didn't work out. And now we're going to get to a subject – that uh, we have not, I love to find my mission in every episode, Don, is to find that one thing 
that I have not talked to anybody else about before. And that one thing with you is male cheerleading. Uh, and I always get so stoked when I find, I knew yours ahead of time. Usually I have to, in the middle of the episode, keep trying to ask questions to get to the thing, to get to it. Yeah. And, uh, I knew yours ahead of time. Answer me this question. Is the hardest move for a male cheerleader when you have to throw up the female cheerleader and then you're balancing her on one hand with her one foot as she has the other one, like Ben, I don't know the names of these things, but her, she's got, she's balancing on your hand with one foot. Is that the hardest thing? The, no. Damn. That would have been my guess. If Rudy no. was here, I was going to have him guess too, but you know, he's sick. What is the hardest thing for a male cheerleader? Um, the hardest thing. So it really depends. Like, I would say the hardest thing is stunning with a uh, a girl that does not try hard enough. Oh. That's the hardest thing. Doesn't matter what trick it is. They could be ninety pounds. If they do not try, you can't you can't hold them up. They just it won't happen. Uh, in stunning, you know, the guy does a lot of the throwing, but the girl actually initiates it. So a good stunning partner will actually jump half the way and you just finish it and then catch the top and hold. Is there a pecking order in cheerleading in which the, the better female cheerleaders will be paired with the better male cheerleaders or do they do it the opposite to where they have to mix them to kind of, it depends. So for a competition, um, yeah, hundred percent. That's what's happening. Um, for like game time cheering, um, you'll get a mix. So you'll have, um, one of the better girls with one of the better guys because they want to put on a good show and they do certain stunts. Um, but you also have some of the better girls working with the, the newer guys. Like I had, um, you know, when I first started, I, if I wouldn't have had some of the girls that was willing to work with me, then I would have never been able to continue on because there's just so much to learn and, and you're catching up. Honestly, for guys unless you are one of the few guys that start off when you're a little kid and go all the way through, um, you're, you're playing catch up from the very beginning. So the, you know, the guys that do it from the very beginning, they're the ones that are going to the Kentuckys, the, the big schools that win these um, uh, competitions every year. You know, there's a nationals competition, depending on which version you're going to um, us uh, NDA or us. I can't remember now. If one of the cheerleading people talk to me on the, or hear this, they're going to make fun of me bad because I forget the, I forget them now. But anyway, um, depending on which one you go to, I mean, there's competitions, there's national competitions. And um, well, now they're, I think they're trying to get in the Olympics even. Well, that doesn't surprise me. These competitions are huge. I mean, oh, these, yeah. these are broadcast on ESPN, some of these mm -hmm. competitions. And uh, so it's almost like, the football games and the basketball games are just kind of, that's really not what cheerleading is about. That's just kind of like practice, isn't it? We do that because, yeah, we do that so that the school would pay for things. That's why we went to the basketball and football games. And uh, when you have a competition coming up and you have to work on one of these programs, I mean, you're putting in hours and hours and weeks and months into just the one 
performance. How many performances do you have to do at one of these competitions? Is it just one or do you like advance no. like a tournament? It's two to three. So you do the, you do your routine and every team does a routine first. And then the top half or so of the, of the squads then go on and then they have a chance to basically improve themselves. So, I mean, it's almost like a full-time job. You're going to college oh, yeah. and studying and trying to get your best grades and you've got this full-time job and you probably had a job while you were in college. Uh, yeah, it's just like every other uh, collegiate athlete, actually. I mean, all, all except for their season is just one part of the year. So like basketball, their season's during basketball season. Football, it's during football season. Our season starts in the very beginning and goes all the way through until our competition. So uh, the one year that I was – when I was doing it and um, Akron made um, the tournament, um, March Madness tournament, we had to tr fly out to, and shooters had to go with them, had to fly out to Oregon. And we were practicing half of our competition out there while the other half was back home practicing their half, hoping that we were able to be ready when we come back to put it all together to make it in time for our uh, competition out down in Daytona. So were you part of the ones that went to uh, the West Coast? Yeah. That was the final four? It wasn't a final four. They got for some reason Akron got put into the bracket out there. It they only made the oh okay like first round. But they were it in wasn't. the but they were in the tournament. The tournament. Yep. Well, that's pretty sweet. I don't remember hearing ever Akron Akron's name in that big tournament. Uh, yeah, it was pretty awesome. The only, to my knowledge, it only happened once, and it was the one of the years I was there, and I got to go out there with it. Is it the Akron Zips? Yes, that's it. It is the Zips. Uh, I know that because they're a MAC team, and yep. uh, we have a lot of MAC clubs here in Michigan, so we come across Akron. Who there was a who was there an was there a quarterback that went to Akron that went on to be a big deal in the NFL? Am I getting this right? No, no, not Akron. Not, not Akron. No, I know that not Akron. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, we, uh, unfortunately, um, the, the, the four and a half years that I was there, the, the football team was not good. Was did um, David Letterman go there? What, what am I coming? Um, it's, it's working in my brain. Did Steve, did Stephen Colbert, somebody went to, no, it was Dayton. Damn it. Yeah. I'm trying to think there's an Akron thing in my brain somewhere. I'll find it later. Uh, I'm good. Our, uh, our basketball team was pretty good the years that I was there. Um, we had the guys that played with LeBron at St. V. Basically his friends played at Akron during that time that right. I was there. Yeah. So the, those, those clubs that LeBron was on in high school, those guys mostly probably went on to college at, at the university of yeah. Akron. So that's several of them from that. Some, several of them there. A couple of times LeBron would show up to the games and stuff. Not anymore though. He doesn't care about you anymore. anymore. <laughs> no, he didn't. Any chance he's coming back to Cleveland? <laughs> no. None. He's done enough, though. That that one championship, Good. that one championship was us, it. That's all you needed, right? He got us the one. He broke the the spell of uh, professional Cleveland teams for however long it took us to get anything, and that was the baseball try to 
the baseball club tried a couple times and LeBron came in and did it once for us. I remember I took a trip to Cleveland. This is many years ago. This is when the Indians were in the middle of that streak of sellouts at Jacobs Field. So I went yeah. to a game at Jacobs Field, and then I went to a Cavs game that night because the stadium was right next to it. And that's yep. back in uh, these blue and white uniforms, and they had a Yeti as the mascot. Do you remember this Yeti? Yeah. They kept playing these yep. videos of this Yeti up on the scoreboard. I'm like, what? It was the Cavaliers against the Philadelphia 76ers. I want to say it was the 76ers because Allen Iverson was there. And I don't think this is before he started going on to other teams at the end of his career. I want to say it was the 76ers. But the only thing I really remember from the game is this damn Yeti. Uh, that was crazy. The old uh, black and blue and looked like ice. Like they, for whatever reason, they mirrored it off of ice or something. I don't, I don't know. That was a weird time. <laughs> yes, yeah. yes, it was. That was a weird time for uh, Cleveland basketball. I remember one of my favorite Tigers going to Cleveland, and that was Travis Fryman. And I remember one of my least like favorite Fryman. Tigers going to Cleveland, and that was Ryan Rayburn. <laughs> he was awful. Give me your uh, – You could have kept him. Yeah, he was – well, I mean, he wasn't good, uh, I'm sure. <laughs> Uh, the one thing about Ryan Rayburn is he could play just about anywhere, averagely, but still he could play any just about anywhere. Uh, but I mean, it was all right there in the stats. You didn't, nobody thought he was going to become lightning in a bottle. You just had to plug a hole, apparently, or something. Yeah, but, that sounds about right. Uh, no offense to Ryan Rayburn, but he's not listening. Uh, uh, Probably not. What were some? I don't want to hear this almost winning the World Series garbage that one year you guys played like Florida or whatever it was. <laughs> what are some of your favorite memories as an Indians fan? Uh, honestly, it would be um, watching the games with Dad. Oh. Um, from the time that I can remember uh, during the summer, that's the only thing anybody watched. If you want to watch anything else, you better hope a baseball game wasn't on. That was it. You were done. Uh, how far away is Akron from Cleveland? About an hour drive. Hour-ish. Not bad. No, that's that's closer than my, my drive to Detroit, so I'm envious there. Uh, yeah. Who are some of your favorite Cleveland Indians of all time? My hands-down favorite baseball player ever is uh, Sandy Alomar Jr. Oh, tell me why. Tell me why. Uh, it was, well, he was a catcher. I was a catcher. Um, his work ethic um, was unmatched at the time. Uh, the guy was constantly working on his craft. Even when he was being voted MVP, he was getting, he was still out there having the uh, grounds crew throwing balls to block in the dirt. I remember that story. Someone I heard that story somewhere, and it stuck with me ever since. So it was just the the work, and then um, you know, it was a good guy off the field too. You know, he wasn't one of those guys where you have to hear about things going on and and uh, you know stuff happening. He played for my favorite team. It just it all kind of fell together. Absolutely, I was a big Manny Ramirez guy through his whole career. I like Manny also. Uh, I like Manny. I like Roberto. His uh, uh, Sandy's brother. Um, Lofton. I mean, the whole base of the '90s team. I, I mean, I loved all of them. 
that's why I started growing, you know, was watching them. So the Tome, I mean, you can't beat you can't beat Tome either. Oh, Tome. Oh, that's a good one. Uh That giant swing where he either struck out or hit a, a you know, a home <laughs> run outside the stadium. Albert Bell. That's a good one. That's <laughs> uh, <laughs> he, he had some problems off the field that was out in the limelight from the very beginning, so Absolutely. I um, remember he had some problems with some trick-or-treaters once, but yeah, <laughs> chased him down the road. I think is what it was. But damn, he could hit. Uh, oh, he can crush the ball. And he did that thing where he held it like almost out in front of him a little bit. I I never understood how he can get his bat speed, get the ball, get the bat to the ball when he did that. I could never understand it. Well, the same thing with Gary Sheffield. Like, how does he do that? Yeah. How is he moving I, that bat back and forth as hard as he does, and still, yeah, and still does what? He, oh, wow, yeah. Uh, it shows why they're professionals, and I'm now playing vintage being a big cleveland indians fan you must love or hate the movie major league which one is uh, it? it is actually my favorite movie of all time see uh uh how many of these jerseys do you see at the games of like serrano and uh all the other guys i own dorn i have dorn i wear that under <laughs> the games i'm one of those yeah those are great uh uh, I would wear if I were to have one of those. It'd be that old time pitcher that like threw jalapeno up in his nose to get the the snot going <laughs> and all that stuff. Uh, I can't remember the, his name off the top of my head, but uh, oh, I can't remember. I can't remember it either now, and I'm, I'm so disappointed in myself. He uh, he plays a great bad guy just about in all of his movies. Not like a villain, but just like a just a guy you just didn't like. He's a good character yep. actor. Uh yeah, and then they, they had a couple of stinkers come on after that. But the first one, uh, such a great movie. Uh, that Was that filmed? That was filmed at the uh, the old stadium, wasn't it? It wasn't filmed in Cleveland. It wasn't. Was that Milwaukee? No, that was, it was. Was it Milwaukee that was filmed in? Yeah, Milwaukee. Yeah, okay. So I think it was Milwaukee's old stadium. Uh, yeah. I don't remember the name of it. It will never come to me. Uh, hey, Don, what do you do for a living? I am a uh, corporate quality manager. A quality so manager. I, uh, what's that? Uh, it's uh, Is that at this uh, Rotec Incorporated? Nope. Rotec is actually a couple places ago. Um, I work for a place called Beery Cheese now. You so get- I'm in, actually, I'm in food. So you're a quality control expert of cheese. Is that what you do? That's exactly it. So you have to go look at cheese all day and maybe taste some cheese. I eat more cheese than I've ever thought I would. And what's your favorite cheese before you had this job? And what's your favorite cheese now? Mm, Okay. My favorite (laughs) cheese before would have been a, like a, Probably a mild cheddar or a um, provolone. Now I would say, oh man, that's tough. I like the. I've learned that I like these. The sharper, the better of the cheddars. So uh, every once in a while, we'll get some really sharp where it's actually like salt crystals are forming on it. That's how old it is, and. Um, that I'll that's hands down my favorite. 
sharp white cheddar. So tell everybody uh, the best that you can. How is cheese yeah. made? How is cheese made? Yeah. Um, so basically they have the, they have the milk, they bring it through the milk. They goes through several processes as they're going through and it, they develop the curds and um, they basically condense those all down and they get the whey off of there. And then it solidifies into a block. Um, and then that's, that's your cheese. I mean, in, in a nutshell, Fortunately, we don't have to make the cheese. We bring them in from other vendors and then we cut it down into the slices, the shreds, the cubes, the sticks, and so forth. So you have to do the quality control as it comes in before uh, you guys do what you do to it. Both. So we'll do it. We'll, we'll, we'll actually, it's called grading. So we'll grade the cheese as it comes in before it goes to the conversion line. And then after it's packaged, um, there's lots of quality checks all the way through there to make sure that it's going to, that the packages are sealed correctly, that it's not going to mold in the store, things like that, that it's cut to the right size. The weights are going to be correct because all that matters because there's a nutritional label on the back of the package. And then that we, we ensure there's no, uh, it goes through like metal detection to make sure there's no foreign material in the, in the product before it goes to the store. Uh, what? I just had a great cheese question and it just left me. Uh, you, you see all of this cheese, uh, by the way, the moldier, the better on the blue cheese. Is that right? Uh, we don't actually do any blue cheese, but, um, and I, that's probably my least favorite cheese. Oh my God. Blue cheese. I just remembered my question. Have you guys experienced any supply chain issues? Like so many have. Um, less on cheese and more on everything you need to convert the cheese. Oh, okay. So we've had some issues downstream where like the people that make the, the wrap, the packaging for us, they had issues getting some component that they needed in order to make the, the, um, the packaging. You never thought we were going to have this detailed of cheese talk. I, I definitely did not expect us to talk about, uh, Burton cheese male cheerleading and cheese talk you're not going to get that just anywhere and uh but the vintage baseball talk you get every episode here so <laughs> yeah. hey don we did it uh i want to thank you uh so much for uh coming on the show we got one more segment we're going to do i'm going to give you the old pepper i don't know how many episodes you've listened to of this stuff but oh i, I heard them I give, uh, I do giving you the old pepper at the end, just some quick questions for some quick answers. And we're going to do that. But before we do that, I wanted to uh, tell you, thank you. I'm sorry. You did not get the Royal treatment of having Rudy free us here tonight, but, uh, we kicked it old school the way it used to be. And you got me, uh, I am it's glad, I'm glad that we've had this interaction, not only this interaction, but the other interactions we've been having the last couple of weeks, uh, I appreciate all the things that you tried to do, uh, and it doesn't go unnoticed with me. Uh, I appreciate you, and uh, I look forward to us continuing our vintage baseball friendship. Oh, I love it. This uh, the vintage baseball community is is more of a family than anything else at this point for me. I mean, I love my family, but vintage baseball it's 
Oh, I love it so much. That's one of the and big allures. Love you, buddy. Oh, thank you. And I love you. And uh, hey, that's one of the allures of vintage over softball is because you have your wife and you have your kids in most situations and a softball atmospheres. Look, she's not, not she's, she's not coming to the games <laughs> and vintage baseball. That's a different story. And you can involve your entire family and the wives uh, always take up. Well, some wives play, some wives uh, take up the responsibility of, of say the book or, or mm-hmm. helping out in all the after match festivities. I really enjoy this recent couple months of episodes we've had where we've talked to a ton of women that play vintage baseball and their men come and watch them play. I, oh, that's I just, awesome, man. That is just the I'm greatest. I'm loving these episodes that are coming out. There was rumors that there could be an Akron Lady Lock starting up again. Is, um, is, somebody has reached out to us, so hopefully that happens. Um, I haven't heard anything recently, but uh, fingers crossed that's going to happen. Is that something that exa- existed before? Yeah, it did. It used to exist, I don't know how many years ago, but they were around and then, you know, families happen and whatnot, and it kind of died off. Uh, the Lady Diamonds would love another woman's club to come up. <laughs> They're tired of yep. playing uh, themselves and uh, and whoever they come across at these uh, at these festivals they go to is, you know, there's, uh, you know, women. Uh, they're doing it the right way. If you see the women teams that are popping back up, uh, it went dormant mm-hmm. for a while, but now they're popping back up, and they mean business. There's that. There's a, uh, the maidens out in Arizona that are playing in a men's league. They're not even just. I saw, I watched it. I, I actually watched that episode. I was uh, amazed that they're out there playing with the guys. That's, that's fantastic. Uh, it is fantastic. And, and most of them have some ball experience. So it's not like a deer in the headlights situation. They're trying to win. Yeah. They're not out there trying to look good and, and we'll lose 50 to nothing. <laughs> they don't right. want any part of that. So that is so cool. I hope that catches fire out there. I hope uh, the Akron situation happens and it catches fire over here because a successful woman's division or women's clubs in the Midwest can only mean good things for the security of the men's uh, department. And so definitely uh, for the community. And here are your questions. Give me the first name of the worst female cheerleader you had to work with. Um, Emily. Damn you, Emily. What was the first concert you ever went to? The W's. Uh, what was your first car? Um, Mercury, say Mercury something. Uh, Name a vintage baseball club that you, in your personal opinion, just seems to have the Black Stockings number. Canton. I hate that that's the answer. <laughs> Name. They're one of the few that we haven't beaten recently. Name one of the clubs in vintage baseball that when you guys get done with your schedule, you make a mental circle around that date just because you love playing against them so much. Um, 
Canton. It's um, <laughs> probably one of them for me anyway, personally. When you uh, were putting food on your first go round for Thanksgiving, this is the first okay. plate. What went on that plate? Uh, well, I'm going to be a little different because my first plate for Thanksgiving was actually breakfast. My, we always do breakfast at my family. So I had eggs, bacon, sausage, pancakes. Um, yeah, I think that was it. But it was piled really high. So that was breakfast. And then don't you have a, a traditional Thanksgiving dinner? Well, yeah, but you said the first meal for Thanksgiving. That was my Thanksgiving <laughs> my, for my parents, for like my side of the family. Okay, so the first time turkey hits your plate, what else is on that okay. plate? Uh, stuffing, mashed potatoes, and turkey. And that's all you had room for on that plate, right? That was it, because it was piled high. <laughs> what did you dress up for as for Halloween? Uh, I'm pretty boring here. I don't. I, I don't. Couldn't tell you the last time I dressed up. Oh. Actually, I can tell you the last time I dressed up. It was a long time ago, but I went as Cupid. Oh well, that did you have the beard? I did. It's amazing. It wasn't as long because that was when I was in college, and I couldn't have it as long as a cheerleader. Oh, you still had. I was picturing you as a beardless Don Jarvis as a cheerleader. Oh no, no, I no, just no. you just couldn't let the whole thing. It was about the length of yours. Oh, uh, you think you get like a shoelace caught in that thing or something? I don't know. Their feet are. Yeah, I wasn't allowed to have this. I was allowed to have what you had. Uh, yeah, whatever that is. Uh, what is your favorite vintage baseball field to play on? Uh, gotta be Stan Hewitt. It's my favorite one to play on. No, uh, my favorite travel day um, would probably be. Um, one of my favorites would be Ruther B. Hayes Museum. Just the challenge of playing with all the trees is uh, is a lot of fun. You uh, you like fields with a lot of character as opposed to just a uh, open air. I love the character. Uh, so yeah, you guys have a lot of that in Ohio. Actually, a lot of character on your mm -hmm. field, so you get you get uh, spoiled down there. How does usually when I'm setting up? Oh, go ahead. No, you go ahead. I was going to say, usually when I'm setting up uh, um, the field for Akron uh, for like just a regular home game, I always try to put at least part of a tree at least hanging over into fair territory. Just because I know my outfitters don't like it. So now everybody knows who to blame for the field setup at Stan Hewitt. Oh, it's Dad Jarvis. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> it's me and Scott. That's it. Uh you if you ever like stand down the line you're like no why would he do you just heard because he wanted to <laughs> yep who is your most hated cleveland indian of all time oh uh, russell so what was his name russell Branion. Branion? i think it was is that it yeah he played third base and he was terrible he tried to swing like Tommy did, but he couldn't hit the ball as hard and as far and as, as often. Is that the guy that ended up going to Seattle and playing good? Oh, yeah. there is nothing worse than a guy who goes to another team and actually starts playing good. Oh, yep. God. He started hitting a lot better out there. <laughs> That's the worst. Irritated me even more. 
How does Don Jarvis eat an Oreo? I just shove it in my mouth, man. A one bite. Uh, no milk, no nothing. This is a dry nope. hole Oreo situation. The straight up dry Oreo. Just you just don't have time for the nonsense. You're like, I just want the cookie. Just give me the cookie. I, no, well, because he's dipping in milk and it gets all drippy, and I have a beard, so that's just. Have you ever found anything in your beard like a week later or something? Has there ever been like, where did this chestnut come from or nothing? <laughs> Not a week later. I have, uh, after playing a game, because I, I dive a lot, so I've definitely found grass and uh, debris in my beard before. That's, yeah, you like go up there and you scratch. You're like, what is this? It's a stick. And then it's all intertwined in there, and you're like, uh, uh, and then you rip out like four hairs, and you have to have a ceremony because you just tore off a piece of your beard, and it's sad. It's a sad day. <laughs> Don Jarvis, you're a good man. And uh, I'm glad Thank that uh, you were able to come on to this, uh, whatever this is, this Vintage Baseball Podcast and share yourself uh, with with the listeners. I appreciate you, my friend. No, I appreciate you, buddy. This is uh, it's a good time putting on a good podcast. I, I, I enjoy it. Well, thank you. Somebody who admits that they listen. I mean, that's, well, I, <laughs> that's I usually I'm, I'm sending out like I've sent it to people before. I'm like, hey, you need to listen to this. this is, I was dying during this episode. Uh, yeah. And some of our some of our humor lost us with Rudy being sick with the covids. But I know I feel so like just rejected. Actually, that's, that's what it is. You know, he never he never invites me to come play with him. But he'll <laughs> complain that I'm playing with other people. So I just feel I feel even more rejected now. Well, I'll tell you, I do not tell him necessarily who's going to be on the next episode. I just book and, and get it all taken care of. And then I say, all right, now it's time to give me the link. And he'll he'll say, uh, you know, who's who's going to be on the show? And I said, Don Jarvis. And he's like, oh, oh no, I gotta, I'm going to try to get ready. Because this was, I want to say this was Friday. And he was worse. I mean, he's actually on his on his way up now but friday he was at his worst he's like i'm gonna do whatever i can i gotta be part of that jarvis interview and uh so he's very disappointed as well you should know okay we're good now at least it's at least it's both ways then <laughs> all right uh well, i don't feel near as eject, rejected now and uh stay on the line for me so i can say goodbye to you like a gentleman as i yes, tell sir. everybody out there uh thanks for your continued support don't forget December 23rd Santa Claus interview and there's still more interviews and stuff to come. Bye now.